Hello, hello, and welcome to Business of Design, episode 210, KS, help, I have staff. A longtime Business of Design member reached out recently via email, and the subject line was, you guessed it, hey, KS, help, I have staff. Before I even opened the email, I thought that really is the perfect name for an episode of the podcast and a great conversation starter. So this podcast is for you, for those of you who have staff, for those of you who wish you had staff, and for those of you who have tried hiring staff but weren't as successful as you'd hoped. There's plenty to talk about, so let's check in quickly with Cheryl Horn and we'll get right to the episode. Thanks for being here. Cheryl, this is a topic that you will understand fully. It has to do with hiring staff and keeping a team and managing a team. How are you? Good. This, you know what, this is a topic that comes up a lot from our, from our members. Um, we talked about this a couple of years ago at um, the Elite Retreat. Uh, we sort of introduced the concept of delegating up, which is something <laughs> I, I tend to do. No, it's um, something you perfected. Yeah. <laughs> Tell yeah. everybody so what that means if they don't know what that means. Well, in the in the sort of the conversation that we had had was sort of uh, company owners giving up larger responsibilities to staff members. So, you know, I can't speak to your design side. I think this is sort of the same relationship you have with Kathy, your senior designer, um, but you're putting a larger responsibility. So business of design as a whole would be on my plate and I go back to you for the specific tasks, writing the content, obviously, you're, the brain's behind all of that. So when we're doing an event, for example, um, the content for that, I would go back to you and say, this is what I need from you. This is your due date so that I can then do my tasks that follow. But I'm putting that back on you, even though the event or whatever it is as a whole that full responsibility is on my plate. So it's so funny deleg- when I first noticed you were doing that to me, I realized like I always get a to-do list from Cheryl. Am I aren't I supposed to be giving Cheryl a to-do list? But that's the magic point that you get at where you really know you have a staff person who's completely responsible for the tasks in front of them. And they just come to you for those, you know, few things that you're needed for. And it's actually the the greatest thing ever. But I think you were, you were working that voodoo magic on me a couple of years before I even yeah. noticed. Well, I think it also, you know, empowers staff to take on a larger role. You're not asking me to, okay, can you go and book the venue? And then can you go and do this? And you're not giving me individual steps and I'm, my job is different than interior design. So obviously this would be different for uh, your design staff, but you know, to be able to pass on a large project and then just to be brought back into the loop just for those tasks that you're required for so that you're not feeling like you need to micromanage. Very good. All right. So one of the things you're all looking for when you hire is someone who can delegate up to you, right? Really take control and responsibility for the tasks. And by the way, it is exactly the same in the interior design side. I will turn over the entire drawing package to somebody or we'll turn over the entire step four experience to somebody except for the fun part where I get to go pick the fabric and furniture, right? But the rest of it is on somebody else's plate. Yeah, and this is actually the conversation we're going to have uh, in April at our BOD Live. We actually launched this past week our fourth members-only podcast episode. Laura Martin-Bovard is one of our members, and she 
you know, full transparency. It was an amazing episode that we're getting a lot of feedback on. And that conversation was actually about profitability. But Laura and actually a couple members of her design team are going to join us for the next BOD Live in April. Sorry, not the next one, because there's one in March, but coming up in April to, to answer those questions about how their office runs, uh, how they share responsibility and delegating, because she's had a couple of her team members for a very long time. So that's coming up in April. In March, we've got a couple of events as well. So BOD Live, March 10th, we're actually doing our first book club. So we're going to talk about E-Myth. The E-Myth, yes. So one thing I've actually discovered is that for E-Myth, you've always talked about how the E-Myth was this tiny little book when you read it, but that was originally published about 25 years ago, and that book is not available anymore. So it's now E-Myth Revisited. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize that. It's it's built on the original concepts, but what was in the original was sort of the key takeaways. I think I actually do have a copy of E-Myth Revisited, and I think it gives more case studies, but none of the case studies relates to the interior design business. And the core of the E-Myth philosophy is really what transformed my life, I would say. So this is an important book. You do not have to have read the book. You don't have to buy the book to participate. But of course, if you want to, that's awesome. E-Myth Revisited. There's a link at businessofdesign.com. I think we make 11 cents if you purchase it through us. So there's no pressure. Yeah. Anyway, I'm looking forward to that. The first book club will be really fun. So that's on March 10th. And then coming up on March 24th, we are doing BOD Boss, everything there is to know. Um, so we've uh, we've been receiving some amazing applications, but we've also been receiving a lot of questions. So um, if you are thinking about participating in BOD Boss, if you've already applied, we're going to do a one-hour breakdown of everything you need to know about the process leading up to Boss, as well as what you can expect from being in one of those groups, rather. So we're actually going to do it on March 24th, but at two different times to make sure that we're accommodating all of our members. We're going to do it at 1 p.m. EST. And then again at 9 p.m. EST. And we will be covering the same information in both. So you only need to attend one and you do need to register for those um, webinars. So that's open right now on the website for full details. Awesome. Looking forward to launching those BOD boss groups. It's a new level of membership for those entrepreneurs who have awesome goals. You're probably already feeling successful, but you want to fast track to the next level and beyond, and you want a core group of peers who are going to provide you with the motivation and knowledge you need to get there. So we're excited about Launching Boss. Come on out March 24th, 1 p.m. or 9 p.m. EST. We'll be there. Thank you, Cheryl. And registration's open on the website, so head to businessofdesign.com. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I know we'll talk soon because you're going to delegate something up to me. I'm sure I will. I'll see you at our at our top line meeting. I have a whole to-do list for you. Uh, all right. Thanks, Cheryl. I think. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, 
member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. off the top of the show, this episode is for anyone who has staff, anyone who wishes they had staff, and maybe especially for those of you who have hired a team before, only to find it didn't turn out quite the way you hoped it would. That was my story for so many years. For those of you who do not currently have staff or employees, there's a pretty good chance you wish you did. You may imagine that Everything would go more smoothly on projects with the team behind you. Maybe you see yourself sitting poolside with projects getting completed and a happy staff working diligently behind the scenes. Maybe you fantasize about never having to take those uncomfortable or difficult conversations with clients again, or never having to deal with money or design fee questions again. If so, you would not be alone. For those of you like me who tried repeatedly to hire staff and failed, and by the way, that's my definition of the experience, not necessarily yours, you may be the most reluctant to consider hiring anyone in the future, and I get it, believe me. Today, I can tell you there is absolutely a way to hire successfully and groom a team that will allow you to better service your clients, be more profitable, and take flexible time off, even holidays with ease. I can tell you that when this happens, it will be a joyful, invigorating experience. And I can also tell you that there is no shortcut to creating this magical environment. It's simple to do, but it's not easy. It's simple because once you implement the strategies you learn here at Business of Design, and in particular, the BOD 15, Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, you will be able to successfully hire a person who can follow the protocols you've established. It's simple. It really is because it's already been created for you, but it's not easy because sometimes we're just in a rut determined to continue doing things the way we've always done them. Or it's not easy because we lack confidence. And the irony, of course, there is that implementing the BOD 15 gives you confidence. That was true for me, and it's true for thousands of other design professionals as well. I was unable to keep amazing staff prior to implementing the 15 steps. Since implementing those 15 steps, though, I have been able to work successfully with every single person I've hired, and I've stayed in touch with every single person I've hired. Interestingly, none of the people I hired before I had these systems, strategies, and protocols in place has remained in my life for whatever reason. Just something to think about. The reality is, if you don't have systems and protocols written down so new staff can follow the bouncing ball, you will find it very difficult to train them. You know what I'm talking about, right? 
you go through the difficult process of hiring someone and finally the day arrives, they're going to start and they show up at the office and they are so keen to please you and they want to work hard and you have every intention of getting them right on the job. But what happens? You're so busy, right? So that staff person comes to you and says, can I help you with that? Would you like to show me how to do that so I could help you going forward? And you say, oh, I really do. But you know what? Not today. I'm so crazy busy. I'm just going to finish this. Uh, Thank you so much for asking, though. I tell you what, why don't we do this? How about if you organize the library for us today? That would be amazing. Or would you mind getting coffees for everyone? I could really use a cappuccino, right? And it doesn't take long for a person like that to get bored. So finally, you give them tasks. But without proper instructions and proper direction, you know what happens, right? They complete the tasks, but not quite up to your standards. And rather than telling them that and correcting the issue, if you're anything like me, you say, this is amazing, such a great start, thank you. You know what, I should have told you X, Y, Z so you could do it the way I need you to do it, but don't worry, I'm going to complete this and I'll show you the rest of it next time. A solid, hardworking human being wants to know they're productive and accomplishing things. And that feels like, does it feel like sabotage? No, I think it feels more like falling short of the mark over and over again, right? No matter how nice you are, employees want to hear, yes, that's exactly what I wanted. Thank you so much. So three months or six months later, that person is quitting and you're scratching your head and wondering how on earth you're going to find time to go through the hiring process again. I performed this little song and dance for years and years, and today I can tell you it doesn't have to be this way. Today we have a detailed strategy for hiring so we get the right person for the job from day one, and then we have a detailed strategy for onboarding that new person into the office whether it's an assistant or a full-time senior designer or a part-time consultant. And then we have a detailed strategy for accomplishing the tasks we do over and over and over and over again on behalf of our clients. With everything written down, the new employee can read the operations manual, complete a task, and begin to be productive really early on in their relationship with you. For those of you who have tried hiring staff in the past and have been unsuccessful, believe me when I say I understand how heartbreaking that is. And trust me when I say there's a better way you can make it work. Now, what about that email? Hey, KS, help. I have staff. The email went on to say that although she loved having a team, and in fact, she does have a very successful interior design business, the one area she still struggles with has to do with her team, managing them, creating balance, providing boundaries, and making sure everyone on the team feels appreciated, including the boss, right? The email said that no matter what she gives to her team, they want more. And she wonders if she has to stop being nice altogether, completely stop acting like a friend or a sister, and put on her boss hat and change the tone. The short answer is no, you don't have to completely 
stop all of that. And you certainly don't have to stop being nice. However, you do need to be nice to yourself to the exact measure you are nice to staff. And what do I mean by that? Let's say you have a staff member who wants a day off, an extra day off. You already provide a reasonable number of days off, either by observing statutory holidays or by offering additional perks like we used to do in our office. I gave every staff person four additional days over the summer in order to create a long weekend while the weather was hot. Pretty nice. So let's say a staff member now comes to you and says, hey, I need this extra day off. As the business owner, you may feel resentful. No one's giving you an extra day off for no reason. So it's obvious, right? The answer is no. That's simple, but it isn't easy. It isn't easy because most of us are people pleasers and we don't want to disappoint the person who is asking for an extra, extra day off, right? Maybe she's a wonderful team member and you fear a rejection could lead to her quitting. However, in this scenario, it would actually hurt the business owner to give this person an extra, extra day off. For one thing, work is super busy and she needs more help, not less help. For another thing, if she gives this extra, extra day off to this person, you can bet anyone else who works for her is also going to ask for an extra, extra day off. Because one thing I've learned is to never agree to anything I don't want to create a precedent for. Although the business owner thinks it would be nice to give this person an extra, extra day off, it wouldn't be nice for her to give this person an extra, extra day off. So the answer has to be no. Or more accurately, in my office, the answer is yes, you may have an extra day off, but it will be without pay. And the reason that's easy for me to say now is it's written down. It's part of my operations manual. Over the years, as these situations presented themselves to me, my operations manual grew. I'll give you another example. Every year around November, a staff person would come to me and say, Hey, Chaos, when are we going to be off for the holidays? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I'm like crazy busy right now. I, uh, we'll talk about it later. Sure enough, a week would go by and someone else would say, Hey, Kimberly, uh, we need to know when we're getting off for the holidays. And I go, oh, you know, the same as last year. It's always the same. Why do you ask me these things? For some reason, it used to bug me. I don't know why, uh, but it, it would bug me. And I guess because we were always racing to the finish line about this time of the year. And I'm like, just get your work done and we'll worry about the holidays later, right? What happened over the years in my office is I would get an email from a team member finally. They would be frustrated that I hadn't given them an answer. And they'd say, listen, we know you're super busy, but we have to make plans for the holiday. So we're suggesting we take from December 20th to January 6th off. Does that sound right? And I'd be like, sure, whatever. Yeah. And then I realized, wait a minute, I just gave them three weeks off for Christmas. That's crazy. I can't do that. But again, once I established the precedent, it was really difficult to take it away. Finally, I realized we needed a holiday policy. And so we created a policy for holidays, which we roll out year after year after year. The policy also includes a note that employees should consider using up any loo time they've accrued over the years. 
around the holidays. In other words, if we have an event, a weekend seminar or a weekend home show and people work, I always offer an in-lieu day. In lieu of payment, you'll get this extra day off. By banking those extra days, team members could take additional time at the holidays when we were a little bit slower in the middle of December, right? Rather than having them use up their time in the middle of the summer when we were super busy. Having a holiday policy completely stopped those questions coming my way. Nobody needed to ask them anymore, right? It's like having a contract that answers all the questions your clients are going to ask makes your life easier. Having an operations manual that answers all the questions your staff are going to ask will make your life easier. Something else I read in the email reminded me of a situation we had years ago, and I'm going to refer to this as the union employee. You know that employee who comes to you and says, we've all been talking about this and we all think yada, yada, yada. I had to establish a rule about that. And the rule is something like this. In my office, anyone can come to me for any reason, but you can only speak for yourself. The minute the union employee says, we, I interrupt her and I say, "Uh uh-uh, no, just you. You're the only one standing here. You can only speak for yourself. Feel free to tell everyone else to come in one at a time and speak their mind freely. And man, you should just watch how difficult it is for the union employee to make her point after that. I found out that very often there weren't a lot of people who were disgruntled, just her, but she was trying to drum up anger. Again, simple, but not easy, right? It really helps to have these policies written down. So in answer to the question posed in the email, do I have to stop being nice in order to maintain staff? The answer is no, but be nice to yourself first. Whatever challenge you're having with staff, develop a policy around that challenge. Write it down and stick to it. And consider this as well. Good is the enemy of great. If you have a staff member who's good, it's possible that person is standing in the way of you finding someone who's great. It can be really hard to let someone go in my experience, especially someone who's pretty good, right? but it can also be a gift to you and your team. I found that letting someone go is sometimes a great way to shake up the office. And I've also discovered that there have been times where I thought if I let someone go, it would upset other people in the office only to find out no. While they think that employee is a great person, they maybe don't think they're a great fit for the office. Being a business owner can feel like a really lonely place. I get that. I'm so glad we're having these conversations with each other and looking for solutions, not just release or venting, right? And these, by the way, are precisely the kind of conversations you might have in your BOD boss group. And then you'd have a core group of people holding you to account as you make the necessary changes. Think about applying to become a boss group member if you think you're at the stage where you want to develop and grow and build a team. And thank you so much to the Business of Design member who sent me the email. You know who you are. I'm grateful you were willing to put your trust in me. And we talked about some of these business challenges together. And thank you to all of you too for being here. Where would I be without you? 
can't wait to see you in person. Stay well, everybody, and be nice to yourself first. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today.